Well, it ought to be. It ought to be a conviction. It ought to be a desire of our heart to thank the Lord for all he's done. And uh, we've got much to be thankful for. And when you're thankful for what you have, it'll keep you from complaining about what you don't have. Because when you look at what you have, you realize you have more than you deserve already. God's mighty good to us. He's mighty good to us. Um, is, um, is it too loud tonight? Is, is the microphone, the speaker's too loud? They're okay? All right. I'm going to adjust my hearing aids a little bit and uh, fix it so I can, uh, I don't want to miss the sermon. I want you to open your Bibles, Proverbs 23. I want you to look at verse number 32 again, and I want you to just mark your Bible. I'm not going to read a lot of verses, but I'm going to refer to this verse often. And I want you to, if you have a pencil or a pen, to underline three words, if you will. And those are, those three words are, at the last. The Bible says, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. Lord, it is with a serious mind and a burdened heart that I preach the message tonight. There may have been times in my ministry that I have preached this type of a servant a sermon with a different attitude, but after 33 years of preaching, loving people, working in the ministry, it is with a serious mind and a burdened heart that I preach the message tonight. I pray it will be received in that way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The context of our text verse is speaking about alcohol, specifically wine. The purpose of my sermon this evening is to focus on that statement at the last. I've written down four observations about those words and the context of this verse and then this passage of Scripture that talks about the subject of wine beginning in verse number 29 when it says, Who hath woe, who hath sorrow to the end of verse number 35. Here's the four things I've written down. At the last indicates the result or the end of something. That's simple. I make that observation and I note it tonight. At the last indicates the result of something here. It's talking about the result of wine, the result of drinking wine. It's talking, I don't care what they advertise today. They can put a bow tie on it. I know what the book says about it. The end of something. Second of all, there is the indication of suddenness. Uh, it is like saying, and all of a sudden, there is an indication of suddenness. At the last it biteth. At the last it stingeth. There is an indication of a suddenness of this verse here. Number three, there is an indication of surprise. Uh, an indication that something unexpected has taken place. Maybe while expecting one thing, another takes place or an indication of surprise. 
First, I said, it indicates the result of something or the end of something. Second of all, the indication of something sudden. Third of all, a surprise. And number four, it seems to indicate finality or fatality. When it strikes, it is then too late. It's too late to turn. It's too late to change at the end, at the last. Solomon is telling us that wine is a mocker, Proverbs 20 and verse number 1, and strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. That's strong, that's plain, that's understandable. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. However, the warning that Solomon gives is a careful one, explaining that wine may seem to be good, it may seem to be right, it's advertised as a a certain amount of it can even be helpful or healthy, but at the last, Solomon said, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Now, a serpent or a snake strikes quickly. If you've ever seen a, a, a snake strike, now I'll be honest with you, I'm terrified of snakes. I don't even like to look at pictures of them. They bother me. They look like the devil to me. Uh, and then, of course, and that's, uh, anyway, uh, we'll not get into what I'm afraid of, but there's two kinds I'm afraid of, dead ones and live ones. I, I hate snakes. I, I, I don't like them. And just to watch the striking of a snake, sudden, surprising, and can be fatal. And then I looked and studied for a while the difference in a snake and an adder. The word adder comes from the word serpent, so it is the form of a snake. It is similar in the family of a serpent. But its bite is one that is quick, and it causes a terrible sting, worse than a bee or a hornet. It causes a terrible pain, swelling, nausea, and discomfort. The Bible says, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. The message tonight is, this is the description of sin. At the last, when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. Now anything that can bring death, I do not want to make a pet of it. Anything that is dangerous enough to bring death, I don't want to be around it. Anything that can bring forth a sudden sickness, a pain, or death, I want to stay as far from it as I can. And the Bible says in this verse, at the last it stingeth or, or it biteth like a serpent and stingeth it like an adder. And the Bible says in the book of James, sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Now, sin may be enjoyable in the beginning. Rebellion against God and His Word may bring enjoyment, it may bring fun, it may bring entertainment, and some sin can even be productive in the beginning. But in the end, it brings death. Solomon said in Proverbs 14 and verse 12, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now what's sad about that verse? Think about it. Uh, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, 
But the end thereof are the ways of death. He doesn't know it's a way of death till he gets to the end. When he gets to the end, it's too late. You can't start all over. That's why we need dads reading the Bible in the homes to their children. That's why we need Christians to read the Bible in the home. That's why we need Sunday school teachers teaching the Bible and preachers preaching the word of God because there are ways that seem right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I don't want to get to the end to find out I'm on the wrong road. I want to be on the ways of life and the paths of righteousness. He repeats that, Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 20, 21, an inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. I'm preaching tonight. I'm warning tonight against the ways of sin, the allurements of sin, sin against God, sin against the word of God. We've come to the place in our country that not only do the godless mock at a sermon against sin, so do the internet smart aleck. I'm not trying to be smart. I'm giving you a, an honest warning from my heart. We've come to the place today we figured out how to justify every single sin in some way. It doesn't matter what a man preaches, somebody has a way to mock it and to scoff at it. But there must be men of God that do not pay attention to the internet smart alecks that try to mock and make fun. I'm telling you tonight, the Bible says, at the last sin, biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Sin never pays as it promises. Sin is a deceiver and a liar. At the last, when it's too late to change directions, sin brings death. Now let's start with our text. And the Bible is talking specifically here in this passage about wine. Here's the, here is how the world advertises wine. I read an advertisement from a magazine about wine. Wine exists for food. It is not necessary to be concerned about selecting or matching a particular wine to a certain dish. The enjoyment and fun of having wine with the meal is like adding music. Now, according to the Bible, it's not like adding music. It's like putting poisonous snakes on your table. That's what the Bible says about it. I, I don't, it doesn't matter what the uh, grocery stores say about it. It doesn't matter. And, and we got folks today uh, in the state house and in Congress, they talk about being a Christian, but they have, so, uh, they have so dressed up wine that they can promote wine in Christ at the same time. So misunderstanding the scripture that folks are being deceived and misled. The Bible's not talking about whiskey here. It's not talking about Jack Daniels. It's talking about wine. That's what the book's talking about. And the Bible says at the last, as a result, at the end, when it's too late, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Here's another advertisement. How wine is served. The glass is designed to enjoy the drink in elegance. When wine is served, the following are key tests you'll need to make before you approve the wine. First of all, the appearance. 
hold the glass of wine by the stem up to the light. Wine should always be bright, never cloudy or murky. When you then look at the wine, smell the wine. Swirl the wine a bit to give it some air. Enable it to breathe, then smell it. It is correct to put your nose in several brief times so that the senses don't become overexposed. Then taste the wine. After you've really enjoyed the smell, take a good mouthful. Swish it around in your mouth. Notice how it tastes as it rolls over the tongue, passing some of your keenest taste buds. A wine should never be, uh, be sour or bitter. They went on to explain how you can uh, begin to pair particular wines with particular foods, but they left something out at the last. I said they left something out at the last. Now, now, now you dress it up all you want. You make it look what you want, but sin, my friend, at the last. Go to the county jail and ask them, how does it feel at the last? Go to the emergency room tonight and ask them, at the, how does it feel at the last? Go to the family whose heart is broken and grieving tonight because alcohol has taken the life of a loved one, of a family member, and ask them what they think about the advertisement of wine. I'm telling you, the Bible says at the last. Now, the purpose of the message tonight is for you and I, as we close out this year, the final message of this year is to look at our lives and say, if I keep going, the direction I'm going right now with my attitude, with my walk with God, with my relationship with Christ in regards to sin, where will I be at the end? I don't know about you, but I want to be at a happy place. I want to end 2020 as I'm ending 2019 in the will of God, seeking to increase and to improve my relationship with God, endeavoring to understand his word, endeavoring to live a life as Christ would have us to live, endeavoring to enjoy the joy of the Lord and my relationship with God, helping me to overcome the circumstances and the difficulty of life. I ask you tonight, when you get to the end, how will life be if you stay on the road you are tonight the Bible says you need to pay attention to at the last two men had become very good friends I'm cutting the story down that I read I want to I want to share the, the the purpose of the story one was a businessman the other a medical doctor one day in conversation the doctor discovered to his surprise and disappointment that his new friend was a drinker of alcohol the doctor said to him, he said, I'd like for you to meet me on Thursday morning. I'm performing an autopsy of a young sailor uh, that uh, has died, and the autopsy is scheduled for Thursday. I'd like for you to see it. He said, why? He said, I just want you to come. So he said, I went into the, uh, the morgue. I went into the place where the autopsy would be uh, performed. He said the doctor gave me a powerful microscope so he said I could follow the traveling effects of alcohol in this sailor's body. The doctor had the autopsy's knife, the autopsy knife, the very sharp knife, and he began to do the work of an autopsy. And the doctor said as he began to cut and uh, to make the incisions and perform the autopsy, he said, I have not the least doubt that this man has been killed by a glass of rum which he drank one hour before he fell dead. The rum has called the rupture of the aorta. 
while the doctor was talking, using his knife, he revealed a broken artery. Not only could they see it with their eyes, putting it under the microscope, it was obvious that the aorta had exploded. Look here, said the doctor. Follow this artery. All along the artery, you will see thousands, perhaps millions of reddish spots, which are many holes perforated through it by alcohol. Alcohol every day causes the sudden death of thousands of victims by perforating the veins and opening small issues through which the blood rushes out of its natural limits. The man stood there dumbfounded. The doctor continued. While his friend wanted him to leave, he said, I'm not finished. I want you to watch. It is not only this big vein which alcohol perforates. It does the same deadly work in the veins and lungs of the whole body. Look at the lungs now. Look at the thousands of reddish, dark, and yellow spots. Look at the little ulcers which, which they are covered by. Every one of these is a work of alcohol, which has torn and cut the veins and caused the blood to go out of its canals to carry corruption and death throughout the body. Alcohol, the doctor lifted his voice, is one of the most dangerous poisons he paused and said, I dare say it's the most dangerous poison. It has killed more men than all other poisons together. Alcohol cannot be changed or assimilated to any part or tissue of our body. It cannot be received. It cannot go to any part of the human frame without bringing disorder and eventually death. It cannot in any way possible unite with any part of our body. However, the water we drink, the food and bread we eat, by the laws and will of God are transformed into the different parts of the body to which they are sent through the millions of small canals which take them from the stomach to every part of our frame. When water has been drunk or bread has been eaten, for instance, it is sent to the lungs, to the brains, the nerves, the muscles, the bones, and wherever it goes, it receives, if I can so speak, letters of citizenship. It is allowed to remain there in peace and work for good. But that's not so with alcohol. The very moment alcohol enters the stomach, it more or less brings disorder, ruin, and death. According to the quantity that is taken in, the stomach always refuses alcohol and makes a supreme effort to violently, violently throw it out, either through the mouth or it pushes it to the brain or into the numberless tubes by which it discharges its contents to the surface of the skin and all of the tissues. But will alcohol be welcome in any of these tubes and marvelous canals or in any part or tissue of the body it will visit on its passage to the surface? No. Look here with your microscope. 
you will see with your own eyes that everywhere alcohol has gone in this body, there has been a hand-to-hand struggle and a bloody battle fought to get rid of the alcohol. Every place alcohol has been present has been turned into a battlefield spread with ruin and death in order to turn it out. By a most extraordinary working of nature, or the doctor said, or rather by the order of God, every vein and artery through which alcohol has to pass suddenly contracts as if to prevent the passage or choke its deadly foe. Every vein and artery is evidently heard the voice of God that said, Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. One final thing, the doctor said, every nerve and muscle which alcohol touches, those nerves and muscles tremble and shake as if they are in the presence of an unconquerable enemy. At the presence of alcohol, every nerve and muscle loses its strength. May I say tonight, this this book in its simplest form is true. Every child can understand when the Bible says, I am not to look at wine when it ferments, or as the Bible says, when it turneth aright in its cup. Why? At the last. At the last, it biteth like a serpent. At the last, it stingeth like an adder. At the last, immorality does the same thing. At the last, immorality does the same thing. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Ask David, as he holds in his arms the cold body of his infant child, and he realizes at the last his immorality was not worth it. Him staying home when he was supposed to have been at battle was not worth it. Him taking the wife of another man uh, was not worth it. His immorality, his immorality was not worth it at the last. That's why, by the way, we teach young ladies what the Bible says about being modest. Young ladies understand something. Your dad and your mom understands about life and nature and they're careful to warn you about how you dress. You need not dress provocative. You need not dress in a way that would cause a lustful man uh, to desire you or to think that you are available for their wicked minds or their wicked hands. You listen to me. I'm not talking about something trying to keep you from having fun. I'm trying to keep you from getting to the place at the last when there's no return or to the place of immorality caused by immodesty has brought a sudden destruction in your life.
Asked Samson as this man, the strongest man the world has seen and known as he is led in his blindness by a lad of a boy. His eyes have been gouged out. He hears the jeers and mockeries. He hears the laughter coming at him from the Philistine people. Why? Because at the last it stingeth like an adder. At the last it biteth like a serpent. Oh, how we need to walk in the ways of righteousness, walk in the ways of life. Look at what we're doing and say, where will this lead me? That's why God's people got no business sitting down in front of that television and turning on the movies that promote the immodesty and the, I'm waiting for somebody to say amen. And the immodesty and the immorality and the wickedness that goes on, the using of God's name in vain to the place that we become, that we become immune and we become cold to anything that we see. God help us to understand as Christians, at the last it biteth like a serpent, it stingeth like an adder. Oh, how we need to pay attention to how we're living our lives. At the last, rebellion, uh, rebellion against God and his word and right, they do the same. Ask Absalom as he rides upon the back of his mule in rebellion with his long hair flowing down his back, leading his army against his own father. A young man that's turned the hearts of the people away from David the king, uh, the shepherd king who would give his life uh, uh, for the people and he's turned their hearts to, uh, towards some snazzy looking, long haired, modern look kind of a man but at the last to Absalom it wasn't worth it at the last we see David on his bed and he's weeping and he's crying why because at the last his rebellion it didn't bring him the throne it brought him destruction and death at the last be careful about following the internet bloggers and tweeters who think they know it all and yet they've never reclaimed a soul for Christ Never built a bus route or walk with God in their life. I'm not trying to control your life tonight. I'm not. I'm trying to be faithful to this book and preach to you and say the Bible says at the last it bindeth like a serpent. I must warn you, I'd be a fraud of a preacher if I didn't preach against sin. I'd be a fraud of a preacher if I didn't warn you of the dangers that are in this whole world at the last. I say teenager. In college young man and young lady don't ever get to the place that you think mom and dad are old-fashioned out of touch and behind the times don't ever let the devil tell you they don't understand don't 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 get the thinking that you can handle a little bit of sin and dad you're just trying to be too strict can I tell you something dad's been there mom's been there at the times of temptation and if they had a preacher and a, and, a, and, a, and a parents that warned them and kept them clean and pure and moral, they're thankful for that. But if they did not and sin has hurt and brought pain and difficulty, they're not trying to keep you from enjoying life. Look, I want you to enjoy life. I want every young man to enjoy his own wife. I want every young couple to enjoy their own family. There's so much joy and happiness in the will of God. There's so much delight in serving God. And even in the times of sorrow, in the will of God, you can still sing in the valley. You can still praise God in the valley. Oh, but you listen to me. Sin will lead you to a place where there's no song to be sung. David could not sing. He couldn't stand to hear anybody sing 
And when he prayed and confessed his sin, he said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uh, let my soul uh, rejoice in the singing uh, and the music. He lost all of that. Oh, dear friend, I must warn you tonight what happens at the last. Where will you be in a year from now? If your attitude is the same in a year as it is tonight, where will your marriage be if you continue on the path you are tonight? Look at the words, at the last. At the last. I want my last days to be good days. I want my last days to be faithful days. By the way, I don't know when my last days are coming, so I want this day to be a day in the will of God. If you continue your Bible reading, in the coming years, you've read your Bible in the last two months, where will you be? If you continue your prayer life, as it is tonight, where will you be at the end of next year? If you continue your Sunday school attendance, your church attendance, your witnessing, as it is now, where will you be at the last? Ignoring the word of God, ignoring the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Please listen as I make these statements. Has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you about a particular sin in your life? And the Holy Spirit saying, get rid of that right now. Get rid of it because it won't be long until at the last it's going to bite you like a serpent. It's going to sting. It's going to hurt. Has the Holy Spirit been dealing with you about a sin? Has the Holy Spirit been dealing with you about making some spiritual changes in your life? Has the Holy Spirit been working in your heart about making changes in your schedule and putting God where he used to be first in your life? Oh, you say, but preacher, I have a family. Listen to me, God never gave us anything that comes between us and him. My family is not something separate. My family is a part of my walk with God. They're a part of my service with God. We enjoy life together. They have their own walk with God. But, but listen to me, uh, uh, responsibilities, they don't conflict. What causes a conflict is when I want to do things I want to do outside of the will of God. You don't ever have to say, I, I, I think I'd rather spend the day with my family rather than church. That's a foolish statement. In fact, that is a step in the wrong direction. And I promise you, at the last, it's not good. I'm hearing this thing today promoted. Well, we just got to the place we go to church too much to neglect our family. You think I'm neglecting my family right now? You neglecting your family? You won't have a sweeter time than what you have sitting with your family in church. Amen. You know what your children are going to remember? Uh, and the days are coming. They're going to get married and they're going to go off by themselves. You know what they're going to remember? They're going to remember they were in the Lord's house with you. That's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember the days you opened the Bible in the morning time and you read the Word of God. They're going to remember the prayer times. You listen to me. I believe the fun times are important. I believe that. I believe the fishing times and the hunting times or whatever it is that you do with your family. I believe those times are important. But don't you ever say, God gave me something that came between me and him. Friend, can I tell you something? God can take it away if it's in your way. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just saying my family does not conflict with my service for God. We need to live a life that's scheduled and a life that's balanced. The devil is working to trick and to trap 
I read this story. Oh, how it got my attention. I talked about the Romans Wednesday night in our Christmas service and talked about what was going on in the world as a child was being born that nobody knew anything about. Very few paid any attention to. They knew no significance of the birth of the Christ child. I read the story of how the Romans used to delight. It was entertainment to take a fully armored and armed gladiator, put them in an arena with a man who was all but naked and armed only with what they called a net and a trident. Now, T-R-I-D-E-N-T, trident, is like a pitchfork. It has three spears on the end. So, so, so he has just a net and a trident. They would introduce the gladiator. They would introduce this man. And they would, for entertainment, watch as the gladiator would kill the man. They would take bets on who would win the battle and fight to death. They, they began to, they, they knew what was happening. And they would talk about if we ever get into the place, we've got to figure out how we can survive, how we can win. And I read this story. The gladiator would often torment or toy with the poor man. He would taunt him and often lead him to thinking that he was a weak fighter. A man with the net, he had one goal, and that was to deflect the attacks of the gladiator or to roll from the gladiator until he could entangle the gladiator in the net. And then if he could entangle him in the net, he would pin him to the ground with a three-pronged spear. They said there was a period of time that the folks began to bet on the man against the gladiator because they'd learned to entangle them in the net. And that's how the devil finally entangled David. King David was caught with Bathsheba's net. He was pinned to the ground with a triple spear of adultery, hypocrisy, and murder. That's how he got Elimelech. The things of Moab and the luxury of Moab lured him away from the will of God. And the devil pinned him with the triple spear of despair, defeat, and death. That's how he got Peter. He caught him by the enemy's fire to warm his hands. And he pinned him with the triple spear of fear and shame and pressure. That's how Satan destroyed Solomon with, Solomon with all of his wisdom and influence. He caught him by his lust and then pinned him with the triple spear of pride and arrogance and selfishness. Which direction are you headed tonight? Look at the words. At the last. You say, preacher, what about in the beginning? Probably enjoyable. Probably pleasure. The in crowd in the beginning. The majority in the beginning. That's not what I'm concerned about. I want to know where it's headed. At the last, it biteth like a serpent. 
and stingeth like an adder. I know how my father died. I know how he lived. That's why I decided I'll follow those same paths because I know how it ended. I knew in those days and nights of pain what brought him comfort. Son, read Psalm 34 again. I watched him die with the joy of the Lord in his heart, with a peace. I saw that. I, I, I don't know how new ways and new ideas and things that try to justify what God said is dangerous and wrong. The Bible says at the last, I think I'll just stay on the simple paths of life. Just do right. I put God first in my life. I love my wife and her only. I don't need to look at anything else. I don't need to lust anything else. I just need to love my own wife. Men, you just need to love your own wife. It's foolishness. Well, I may be on a diet, but I can look at the menu. That's a trick. And it's a foolish one to fall for. Wives, love your own husbands. Wives, love your own husband. You don't, you don't, you don't need to flirt with all the men at work. They need to know that there is a place, there is a line. Don't, don't cross that line. I'm not talking about just out there. I'm talking about church. I'm talking about school. I'm talking about anywhere. Amen? Don't keep her own wife, her own husband. I love my children. I'm going to lead and guide and teach and instruct and discipline and correct, care for, reward, because I've found those are the paths of blessing. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us never to travel a path that we can see from seeing others that at the last that path biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. 